Welcome to What's Korean Cinema 36 on Springtime. And actor Choi Min-sik uh, may say he's a bad guy in 2004's drama Springtime, but this is as far removed from any scene seen by millions outside of Korea involving hammers or eating live animals on screen. Nope. Choi Min-sik gets taken down a notch, uh, brought into warmth, that is, in, in director uh, Ryu Jung-ha's Springtime from 2004. Uh, my name is uh, Kenobi and uh, with me is Paul Quinn of Hank of Celluloid once again to here to school me on uh, all matters, Korean cinema, what have you. So, welcome buddy. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, how you doing? We have uh, another story within all of this where, like in the prior episode, our guru at hand here met the director and uh, sometimes he meets actors. In this case, he has met the main actor as well, Choi Min-sik. A few years ago, it wasn't last week, but a few years ago, and I'm sure there's some stories that uh, he can share about that as well. Oh, yes. First of all, let's uh, get the show started. And uh, this is What's Korean Cinema on the podcast on Fire Network. And uh, we have this show covering Korean cinema, new and old. I mean, a 2004 movie to us, old people, is a new movie. But obviously it can be looked as vintage as well to a degree, but obviously we try to cover movies that um, are so old that uh, their context crafts context for newer cinema sometimes, you know, which is uh, sort of Paul's uh, Paul's uh, intent and uh, the responsibility I give him when uh, picking movies. Granted, springtime I pulled from the memory bank long time ago. I w- When I was following... Korean cinema on the surface, knowing that there was a boom, right? Uh, a new a new Korean cinema, new wave, right? Yeah. And you knew of the uh, efforts that became famous in the West. Your old boys, your tale two sisters, and so forth. And uh, a friend of mine, online friend of mine, had a review website back in the day. And one of the movies he reviewed was a Choi Min Sik movie. I did not remember the title of it. I just remember. Oh my god, it's that actor that's so hard and violent in movies. And he's in a different movie. That doesn't surprise me at all. I probably had seen Phylon by that, by that point. So that that was... Oh my god, I want to see more. And I think he's never going to disappoint. And he reviewed a movie. I think he was a teacher, maybe. But it seemed compelling because he gave it a good review. And it just seemed compelling that it was a way different role. So that's all I had uh, to bring to Paul. And he identified what... I'm, I'm 99% sure that this was the movie uh but uh, uh so he brought uh brought springtime to the table that way and uh, so i <laughs> i don't have any firm memories i'm just gonna go by that what was that movie with that guy who was in that other movie that came to here before i'm gonna go with that from now on because my memories are my memories are so 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 faded <laughs> There you go, but we we hit we hit the nail on the head. Do you know what I mean? Thankfully, we it's did. The, the the old boy guy is a musician. There you go, springtime. At, at least it was that specific, rather than like who was that movie? That guy was in that other movie last year. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, cool. Uh, we're gonna get into it anyway, and this is what's Korean cinema on the podcast on Fire Network. And as I said, this show covers the Korean cinema new and old. But we have other shows that cover Hong Kong cinema new and old, the Japanese cinema new and old, and uh, we talk sleazy movies and adult movies. We have talked ninjas and we do bonus episodes and audio commentaries every now and again so welcome in make your choice over there in the right uh, right hand sidebar and if you're a new listener to what's korean cinema and the network thank you welcome in and i uh, hope you enjoy the show you can interact with us mainly on social media have you have handy buttons leading to our facebook 
page that uh, in turn uh, can lead you to our Facebook group if you just search Podcast on Fire Network. They're where we post most uh, discussion points and show updates and what have you. So welcome in. We would love to see uh, some more voices over there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, there's a button to at Podcast on Fire, our account. We're available on iTunes, of course. So if you care to subscribe and rate us, we would very much appreciate it as um, as much as uh, a written comment as well. That would make our day. And finally, stream us on Stitcher Radio, either on their website or via applications available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And my review website for mainly Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over at, is, is located over at SoGoodReviews.com. I don't know if I told you this story, but uh, I'm not too keen on that name, but I'm going to stick with it because it's my decision circa 2001, right? So you, you got to stick with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I watch Hong Kong movies and then I put them away because I didn't have frequent access to them. Then DVD came along and they were cheap at that point. And we're talking, I mean... Uh, three or four pounds per dvd at that point okay. in hong kong so it was good to just buy in bulk and i bought this um, comedy about um, two men getting a chance to work at a bra company <laughs> and it's a quite a lovely comedy uh, starring uh, Lao Ching Wan, Louis Ku and they're, they're so uh, infatuated so at one point one, one of them says in English and they, they have a little scene amidst themselves and he says so good so good and Louis, <laughs> Louis Ku stands there I know and you know so it, it's not as crass as you might think it is it's a rather sweet little comedy about uh, two men making bras in an office full of women mind you so it's not just them so Sounds like a needed thing to be said, yeah. Exactly. So that's where So Good Reviews comes from. Sleazy K video comes from exactly where you think it comes from. Yeah. My little video hub. And uh, my tweet, my Twitter is available at the account called at So Good Reviews. Paul, my friend, you're not as openly dodgy as uh, I am anyway, at least not in terms of the name that you present to the world, because Hangul Celluloid doesn't scream smut. But uh, you certainly review, review a wide variety of movies, adult-oriented or not, right? Like, like you have your uh, yeah. probably hand, you have your handmaiden, and you have your leafy in terms of uh, the review contrast, right? Exactly. You know, I think because I exclusively cover Korean stuff, I need to cover everything, and I think there are a lot of films that that some people wouldn't cover because they're controversial or they're, you know, they've got adult content. I think one cinematic work is as important as another and i'll cover whatever i need to if it if it moves korean cinema forward mm-hmm. and uh for, uh for the kind people out there give them a give them a firm firm a url plug and all of that okay you can find my site at hangelcelluloid.com i'm on facebook at facebook.com slash hangelcelluloid i'm on twitter at Hangle Celluloid. Um, there are buttons to all the social medias on the main Hangle Celluloid homepage. Um, go and have a look. Lots of reviews, lots of interviews, few essays, etc., etc. I hope you enjoy it. Cool. And as for what's coming up here in the show, uh, the, the, these sections will have timestamps in the next two of them, so you can jump ahead to a desired portion of the show if you so desire. So I'll place that in the show post. First, there will be brief notes on the seemingly, in a way, brief career of uh, director Ryu Jang Ha. And this will then be followed with a biography on legendary actor Choi Min Sik. And we conclude the episode with our review of Springtime. And that is a drama from 2004 and plot from... Uh, I would have taken it from Hangul Celluloid, but uh, Paul has it reviewed springtime, not as of yet, anyway. Okay, so I've just... I've, I've beaten myself there. You, you can't see it, but I have 
maybe maybe sometime in the near future yeah well uh you you can't uh, g- grab them all but uh, if you feel the creative instinct to to do to write a review on the movie then do so if you don't then you certainly haven't let anyone down it's just that yeah, i had to reference something else this time and uh, it was I, I took it from the wikipedia entry that didn't spoil the movie for once uh, for springtime so a quote to trumpeter hyun woo played by Choi min sik life seems to remain forever locked in winter in desperation, he signs up for a position teaching a children's wind ensemble at a small junior high school in a distant Dogye village. Worn-out instruments, tarnished trophies and frayed certificates testify to the poor conditions of this ragtag group. This leads Hyun-woo to give away the students to take on a seemingly impossible challenge. Sounds like a sports movie, right? It, it, it sounds like it's slotted into a trope, uh, and it is, but isn't at the same time uh, last episode if you listeners uh, remember if you listen to our review of my heart we had a little exercise in the transcribing and translating the korean title because in that case it was quite a different uh, korean title versus the english translation and you couldn't really translate the korean into english as such uh, so, because it was a deeper concept in the korean words so my heart it was and that was a suitable title springtime then paul is there any deep meaning in the korean title versus the chosen english title of springtime not really it's it's much as we've seen many korean films of late it's close to the korean the korean literally is the coming of spring or the coming of the flowering spring and for english it's just easier to sh- shorten it to springtime but it's essentially it means the same thing as for background on the movie and uh, first we'll talk a little bit on director uh, ryu jang ha he was born in 1966 and he graduated from the korean academy of film arts he worked for director he, he how do you pronounce that uh, uh, that director's name h-y-e how do you pronounce that it's actually her jin ho it's h-u-r uh, so Her Jin Ho, essentially. Yeah. Cool, cool, thank you. He worked for him as an assistant director and uh, he was so impressed that he gave Ryu the chance uh, on One Fine Spring Day. Uh, it, it's a movie title to work in the same uh, uh, same capacity of AD as well as writing the script. We mentioned the name, we mentioned One Fine Spring Day. Is there any brief notes that we can uh, throw out to the kind people on the director and that movie One Fine Spring Day? Okay, um, Her Jin Ho in terms of new Korean cinema, is the heartbreak melodrama director. His his films, if you look back at new Korean cinema melodrama, cynical people will always say, you know, what's the story about which character dies? And that all comes from Her Jin Ho. His stories are about relationships and how they fall apart or relationships, how they're pulled apart by the death of one or illness um his most famous classic film was christmas in august which starred hansa q which who we're going to talk about unknown to you very shortly about a terminally ill man who finds love but it can never be loved because he's terminally ill one fine spring day is a couple who meet and fall in love his passions stay hers don't and she has to find a way to break away from him even though he's still in love with her. So it's all very love melodrama sort of deal. On that same note, Ryu Jangha, the director of Springtime, was assistant director on both One Fine Spring Day and Christmas in August. So really, when I was re-watching Springtime, 
all of Her Jin Ho's films sort of came to mind. It's that sort of quiet, edging on melodrama. You know it's there's going to be pain somewhere coming, but I think it's it's a lot less obvious than a lot of Her Jin Ho's work. It sounds like your personal takes on his work that they might vary because it it's it sounds like it's maybe not enough variation in that filmography well i mean in terms of christmas in august it's a classic film it's it stars as i say hansa q and shim yuna who were at the time considered to be sort of the tom cruise and and nicole kidman of of korean cinema you know they were the the big hitters it was released in the uk a few years after Korea on DVD and I was so moved by it I went and bought every copy in HMV hmm. and gave give the same present out at Christmas to family friends <laughs> with hoping they'd never meet and go oh you got Christmas in August as well you compare that to one fine spring day and I almost rolled my eyes it was so pushed and so forced um, so Her Jin Ho for me has been very much either love him or get on with something else. I mean, his latest film stars The Love of My Life, Son Ye Jin, um, The Last Princess, and it's a historical story about the last empress of Korea. Factually, it's it's ludicrous. It's not the true story at all. But it but in terms of heartbreak and melodrama, it's Her Jin Ho back to what he was able to do create very emotive melodrama. So either he he hits the nail on the head for me or he misses the mark. And for one fine spring day, I think he missed the mark. And as for Ryo Jangha and Springtime, this was his feature debut. It didn't crack any top spot domestically since it was the 31st highest grossing and attended movie that year in 2004. But come awards time, the Blue Dragon Film Ceremony awarded the score. It nominated actor Choi Min Sik and actress uh, Jang Shin Young. Was uh, was that the mother or was that the uh, pharmacy attendant? That's that's the pharmacy attendant, and we'll talk a little bit about, more about her later on as well. It received uh, multiple nominations uh, at the Korean Film Awards as as well, including for director Ryu Jang Ha. Uh, who then went on to uh, helm Hello Schoolgirl in 2008, so a four-year gap. And that's it for feature credits anyway. So, uh, you know, we have only another movie to talk of, so I might as well ask, uh, what impact did Hello Schoolgirl make critically and with audiences? And um, if you saw it, what's your take? And are there any news of the director officially uh, since uh, 2008? Its impact was, shall we say, minimal. It it hit at a time when generic rom-coms were were sort of losing favor you know you're hitting 2008 2009 you're starting to get into the modern korean cinema as it is now with you know the thrillers the big hitters if it had been released three four years earlier it would probably have been a massive hit it's okay it's it's a generic rom-com it's sweet enough but it sort of missed its mark. And, and and as for the director since since that movie, uh, all quiet or is there any uh, are there any news tidbits available? Utterly quiet, utterly nothing. I'm assuming that as Korean cinema started to change, getting funding for anything other than big blockbusters that 
fit with what the studio wants are increasingly a nightmare. And I assume he just either hasn't wanted to or hasn't been able to. But there's been no word since Hello Schoolgirl whatsoever. Would a movie like Springtime, therefore in 2017, would would that be difficult to make, you think? Is it that uh, is it that uh, one-sided, the movie landscape? Very much so, and it continues to be. Every time I interview a director, they they talk about the problems they've had with the hold studios have on productions and the fact that if they if they go independent, they can't get stuff made because there's no money and no investment. If they go commercial, they can't make the stuff they want to make because the studios make them make these huge spectacle blockbusters that that are not what they should be so it's not getting any easier and every director brings it up it's an ongoing issue i mean if you're a park chan work then you you can get a movie like the handmaiden made and have your thematic content in there of course but uh but not all directors are park chan work of course which is a which is a name and connected to money the conversations you and i have had over the the last you know few days weeks about the the influence that netflix and the like are having in giving hopefully directors more freedom by picking up films or you know roller coasting films is is a hugely positive thing considering how how much of a hold those big companies have in korea so i think i think it's a positive move forward yeah and hopefully i mean in the case of that netflix story is the latest movie from uh, the director of train to busan and it was presumably made without knowing that Netflix were going to pick it up, but they have, but, but they they got it made, got picked up, and therefore you would hope that there will be little to no tampering and and irrational opinions going forward, crafting the final product and stuff like that. So I mean, I mean, Okja was made specifically for Netflix, so that that was presumably even more uh, more freedom was uh, thrown thrown that uh, its way and what have you. And uh, in a way, it kind of shows. I think it, uh, it, it's its own movie, even if it wasn't Bong Joon Ho's finest, finest. But hey, he, but he, he, like, he's a perfect director, otherwise. So it's like if he's a, a few notches below that, that doesn't mean he made a Tokyo or anything. So no, totally. And we move on to therefore, if we have nothing really to say about the director, because there's nothing much to say. There certainly is a lot to say about actor Choi Min Sik, who Ooh, yeah. a veteran actor and ongoing career, obviously considered one of South Korea's most talented and versatile actors. In and if I were to choose, I think it is my favorite Korean actor because I, I think of these guys that are n- always watchable, and I think like Song Kang Ho, I love Song Kang Ho. But there's just something about Choi Min Sik that that I don't know rough exterior and versatility that just gets me every time. But hey, we we're talking perfect actors in a way too, right? So it's not like Song Kang Ho. Yes, he makes bad movies every now and again, but as you say, he's never really bad. It's not that phoned in appearance or anything. You know, they're they're reliable, and I'm sure the same is across the filmography of Choi Min Sik, who was born in 1962 in Seoul and uh, actually was diagnosed with uh, tuberculosis at an early age, and something doctors said he would not be able to recover from. But uh, Choi himself claimed a month long stay in the mountains helped him regain his health. Uh, and uh, eventually, he graduated with a degree in theater from Dongguk University. And he indeed went down that path as a theatre actor before film roles in the 80s and early 90s. And do, do, do you know if anyone has made, you know, publicized and uh, official uh, uh, writings on his theatre 
career or did uh, people go back to and look at his theater career once he bre- broke out in film i mean uh, the, the question is like did, was he known as a theater director uh, not really i mean through his career he has done films and then gone back to theater for a time his early stuff he he was nothing he was no name whatsoever um the only thing you can find is references to a 1999 theater production he did of hamlet in which he was said to be remarkable but they don't even state what character he played the only other thing is the fact that a director called park john wong who did a film called our twisted hero which was one of chairman six first films he gave him that role because of his theater work so there's indirect things saying oh he was great obviously noticeably great but there's nothing that you can find that actually discusses roles that he played or plays that he was in apart from that hamlet thing because in hollywood for instance uh, you know maybe after you had your breakthrough as a movie actor when you do go on to broadway and what have you that is always publicized i mean it's mm. uh, it's not a little hidden parenthesis on your on your resume or anything so uh it's a it's out there as a, they're viewed and uh, and watched and uh, as uh, paul um alluded to i mean film stage and tv became something he mixed uh, in his professional acting career and throughout his professional acting career where he got roles in movies such as the mention our twisted hero and another movie was kuro and he also appeared in tv dramas such as the moon of soul it's a similar question but you know as soon as he got on stage and on screens was there anyone who you know was the promise being seen there was there a claim being thrown his way in the way he was utilized and performing or that's only something people see again when, when looking back on the career after the breakthrough chairman sick has a great debt he owes to an actor called Hansa Q, who I've I've just mentioned. He was in Christmas in August with with Shim Yuna. Um, he was certainly during the new Korean cinema wave the go-to actor. He was the biggest star. He's still making movies now. He had a film out last year called Prison, which the average thriller, but it's Hansa Q, and he's still got reputation. The fact that Chaemin Sik starred in Shiri with him. He was in a TV drama called The Moon, The Moon in Soul or The Moon Over Soul, um, if memory serves. Everyone that was in any way involved with Hansa Q got noticed because of who he was. And that, more than anything else, is why Chimin Six's career started. There's a film, I think, from 97 98 i should have really looked it up but 97 98 um called number three which was by a director called song young han it's about three gangsters it's a comedy gangster film which gangster films were huge back then and it stars chaemin sick and hansa q and i think it was the first time the two of them worked together and from that moment on chaemin sick not only had a career but he had started his oh, look, here's a hard-hitting actor who can do comedy within it. So from the very start, because of Hansa Q, there was a versatility that was linked to Chaemin Sik. Um, he owes him a huge debt of gratitude, and I think they are deeply close friends as of this day. Oh, that's, uh, that's awfully sweet, because uh, you, you don't want the story to be that one 
guy screwed the other guy over after totally. such a kind favor. So it's wonderfully, wonderfully positive to hear that um, that's not something you're going to forget. Yeah. Mm. And uh, arguably matters uh, did indeed take off in the latter half of the 90s for Choi Min-sik as South Korea's new wave at the time hit big. And uh, Choi Min-sik had roles such as in uh, Kim Ji-won's debut movie, The Black Comedy, The Quiet Family. She's a movie I've yet to see, but... Uh, I, I think I'm going to see it for our coverage when we do coverage because uh, it, it's one of those movies that if it's part of that wave, it, it surely is important and I've heard good things about it. So, uh, and, uh, you know, a black comedy, I think it's a, what, a morbid comedy to a degree. I've, I've gotten the impression. Totally. And I, I'm going to say very quickly something that I almost hesitate to say because, you know, I'm always the Korean movies are better than anything else. Um, Ignore everything but Korean film. Um, There was a remake of The Quiet Family called The Happiness of the Kakurus in Japan. Katakurus or something like that. Katakurus. Takashi Miike. Which was a musical version of A Quiet Family. Um, It's much better. It's much better than A Quiet Family. I like A Quiet Family, but isn't it like a completely different beast because it is a musical or, or is it a case where you can say, oh, that one is better? I can I, I could have told you it was a remake, but it is far, far better. Even and because it's more original. The Quiet Family. Yeah, it's funny in ways, but you're going to know where it's going. So th- that's the first time you will ever hear me trump a, a, a Japanese film over a Korean one. But it is better. I'm going to loom that over you. Uh... At times when you do forget that you said that, like, hey, I got a USB uh, stick here with a sound file on it. Have a listen to this and shut up. Yeah, I'm gonna, re- <laughs> I'm gonna really regret that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay if you like something. You like something, man. It's not like you're, uh, you're, you're betraying, betraying everything you've said up, up until, up until this point. So no worries about it. Well, there you go. A firm breakthrough for Choi Min came uh, when he played a North Korean agent in Shiri from 1999, a critical and commercial success that uh, would lead the Grand Bell Awards to uh, award uh, Choi Min the Best Actor Award. And I mean, when you mention Shiri, you, you gotta sort of stop right there because um, I always got the impression, but I might be wrong, if that Shiri was the starting point for the wave of talent and creativity and versatility that Korea enjoyed for quite a number of years uh, as it introduced and uh, reignited maybe directors like Kim Ji-woon, Park Chan-wook and actors like Choi Min-sik and Song Kang-ho. I mean, so so is it the starting point uh, and, and is it also um, important and a quality uh, action thriller in your eyes, Shiri, that is? As in terms of being a starting point, yeah. I would always consider Shiri to be the start of the new Korean cinema wave. The coverage it got, the... the... Uh, was it also, by the way, part of me, was it a step up technically, or Korea, they were able to, to do this? It just uh, wasn't um, being publicized as such. Very much a, a step up in terms of the way things were done. When you look at, you know, we've reviewed a lot of old stuff that's obviously old, and we've reviewed a lot of new stuff. When you look at the style of the new Korean cinema, Way of Shiri was really the first film that that really pushed that out there in a a monumental way. I mean, Nowhere to Hide also comes to mind, but Shiri was the one that got the coverage. Shiri was the this is new Korean cinema. In terms of quality, it's not that good. It's very generic. It's very predictable. But that only comes from looking back in hindsight and saying. 
yeah, but, you know, I've seen this a hundred times. Back then, maybe they hadn't. It's got its issues. It's not that good a film, but it is so important for what Korean cinema became and has become. Yeah, it's, it certainly wasn't JSA in terms of uh, deeper thematic statements between the North and mm. the South uh, mixed with yeah. some spectacle. I mean, I do remember Sherry as being, at times, decent enough pulse-pounding entertainment and not that much else. And it didn't seem like yeah. it attempted much else either. Like It knew what it was doing, essentially. Yeah, totally. I, and I think it, it didn't try to do anything more than it it could easily do, really. So uh, after that point, many stayed busy and uh, prolific and certainly Choi Min-sik did also during this Korean cinema boom. Whether in the award-winning Phylon with Hong Kong actress Cecilia Chung or working for veteran Im Kwon Tech in Chi Wa Seon. That's it, Chi Wa Seon, yeah. But one could argue Choi Min-sik's international profile was raised uh, with the release of Park Chan-wook's revenge thriller Old Boy in 2003. And then we sort of stated both of us that we think it's a good film, but perhaps not the strongest in a strong filmography by Park Chan-wook. But as for Choi Min-sik, well, do you think this was adding to his versatility where he played tough, hard and loud? Or was it something that was evident before? But in the end, it certainly wasn't phoned in, right? Certainly not phoned in. But I and I think Choi Min-sik both view Old Boy as a blessing and a curse. If you look at the coverage it had internationally and still has, we've just finished the London Korean Film Festival and I read a review in the independent, a national newspaper in the UK and as soon as they mentioned Korean film, they mentioned Old Boy. And you just think, can you not get past it? it? How many years ago? So it's a bit of a bugbear on that level. It also, after that in Korea, almost summed up Choi Min-sik, even though he'd done a lot of non-hard-hitting stuff or like number three, hard-hitting with humor, and he'd been showing versatility from the point of old boy, he was almost, it was decided that he was the hard-hitting, you know, tough guy, bang, bang, bang. Even though he's done stuff since, he constantly gets calls to play hard characters because of old boy. As you said, I interviewed him a, a few years ago, and in the interview, he was asked if he was given the chance to play the role with the hammer again, would he do it? And he just said, no, I don't oh, no. like. He just said, no, I don't like the hammer. I don't like playing those sorts of characters. And the fact that Old Boy was such a huge hit means that for him to, to work, he's going to do the things he wants to do, but he's going to end up doing hard-hitting things because that's his reputation. And that, to my mind, that all comes down to old boy. But, 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 you know, on the flip side, it doesn't seem like that in an overall sense that he's forced to take any roles, really. I mean, No, uh, certainly not, certainly I mean, not. I mean, if you look at that, for some reason, I watched it this year. I don't remember a lot of specifics about um, The Tiger, but it's it, it certainly felt like this isn't slotted into uh, the age old Choi Min Sik uh, territory. And he, he did a political movie um, not too long ago, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Governor, the Mayor, or whatever. So still, it, it doesn't seem like old boy, old boy again, or anything. Uh, thankfully, because c- clearly he's old enough to be able to steer his own steer his own path and not go broke in the process. Very, very much so. Very much so. You know, but he will still be called to do things like 
you know, new new world, nameless gangster. It it's very from my mind. It's it's very much a a two sided thing. You know, you ask anybody in the UK who Chimin Sick is, and they go, "Oh, that's the old boy guy, the guy with the hammer." Um, and I think that's a shame. I'd much rather they'd say, "Oh, that's the guy that played the musician in Springtime." But but but, but can you sense that? Sometimes his heart is not in certain roles, uh, or is it still always, you know, at a respectable level? In that interview, he was asked about his roles in I Saw the Devil, which is, again, you know, he plays a serial killer, and his his role in Old Boy and his role in this, that, and the other. And he said in playing those roles, he looked for something else to focus on other than the fact that they were he was playing bad people. In I Saw the Devil, there's a tune that, he whistles as the main serial killer which is a classic beautiful korean tune and he focused on that rather than the evilness of the character so i i think he brings originality to everything by looking at something other than the badness of what he's playing if he's playing a bad character and i think that shows versatility as well but what's uh, clearly in his character too is also the instinct to speak out when something doesn't feel right, mm. and uh, you know this uh, is obviously connected to his um, comments about uh, the South Korea's administration's decision to reduce the screen quotas of local films from 146 to 73 days as part of the uh, free trade agreement with the United States. And uh, Choi Min-sik, along with other profiles of the industry, protested uh, either separately or with each other in Seoul at the Cannes Film Festival. And he even in protest returned the prestigious Okguan Order of Cultural Merit um, uh, medal or badge or whatever. When he did that, he was quoted as saying that to half the screen quota is akin to a death sentence for Korean film. This medal was once a symbol of pride. But now it's a sign of disgrace and I return it with a heavy heart. So, I mean, it sounds rational enough, but uh, still, uh, I want to get your take on this response by Choi Min-sik and industry professional. I mean, was it a valid, intense, but also measured response? Because to me, it sounds ethically and morally correct to stand up to something very important. I, I think I think it is important to stand up for it. And I think it was important for him to stand up for it. Like I've said, every director you speak to now will tell you about the problems with getting stuff made, getting stuff screened because of the whole big companies have on the Korean film industry. And the fact that the quota was was reduced to the point where you're getting, you know, half the Korean output that you had before all replaced by U.S. or international stuff. It hasn't turned out to be a death knell, but at the time they made these protests, I would have agreed with being that worried about it. So I think, yeah, it was morally and ethically right, and I think they had no option but to stand up. Yeah, because it was not like it was reduced by 10 days or anything, so it it sounded like a big chunk was going to be taken out of, uh, and, and, you know, free trade is certainly not a fair trade. Definitely, definitely. And, and what happened in the sort of aftermath of this, uh, based on research, that uh, Choi Min-sik's absence from the screen was as much self-imposed exile in protest as it was studios' reluctancy to hire the man because of his outspoken nature. I mean, uh, uh, that's just a vibe I got. But uh, what do you know about that, if that's fair to say? Uh, uh, or or what was, it, or was it his own choice to just go back to uh, theatre? There was an issue of 
his outspokenness making productions almost stay clear of him but like you say um it, him stepping away for a period of time i think was a period of self-adjustment self-thought as to whether he wanted to carry on considering the way the industry was going i think he stepped away and he's almost said in so many words that he stepped away because he needed to reevaluate whether he could do what he wanted to do within what Korean cinema was becoming. And ultimately he chose to, and I think he chose to because he could, he thought he could bring something to it to help rather than, rather than just have to deal with it as it is. So I think, I think there was a lot of soul searching going on, but I think it was as much him as him being forced out. And I was a bit foolish there. I just assumed he went back to theater. But, but, but like, did, did he work at all? Uh, does anyone know that uh, when he stepped away from the screen? You are right. He went back to theater. But it was more that throughout his career, he's been, you know, he's done films and then he's gone and done a bit of theater just to give himself a bit of a breather. So I, I don't think it was him stepping back to theater instead of film. I think he just stopped temporarily stopped one part of his career and carried on doing what he'd already been doing in the others and ultimately he resumed a so to say normal workload uh, where he won praise uh, as well as criticism and maybe the whole movie and uh, the production uh, uh, was connected to the violence of uh, i saw the devil and uh, which i haven't seen yet but um, i'm gonna eventually i mean you mentioned he played a serial killer but that that the year after Rob, robert he switched tag completely by joining the voice cast of leafy a hen into the wild and i don't know uh, was he leafy it's in itself or was he one of the surrounding characters he was he was one of the other characters he was a a male bird that was involved with leafy he wasn't leafy well involved with leafy's mother he was the funnily enough tough guy bird i don't want a a bird with a hammer like no 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 guys rewrites He's the one with the, you know, the big arched eyebrow and the, the talking <laughs> like, so um, it's sort of almost a parody on the, the tough guy, Tim and Sick. Gorgeous, gorgeous little film. Yeah, I was going to watch it, but uh, the Netflix version only had it in English and I did want to watch it in Korean. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth watching in Korean. At the time, it became the highest grossing South Korean animated movie. So it it, uh, it made an impact. And it's sort of done in uh, in Pixar-style animation rather than a, a traditional cell animation kind of thing. Mm. Uh, he won multiple awards. Uh, Choi Min-sik, that is, for 2012's uh, Nameless Gangster, Rule, Rules of the Time, uh, additional title. He played, uh, quote-unquote, another complex-layered uh, anti-hero in that one. So why not? It sounds like a, a, a role to, to sink your teeth into. And uh, last uh, few years has seen the veteran actor gain international exposure again through appearances uh, in uh, Luc Besson's Flawed but Generally Entertaining Lucy, where he played, thankfully, a Korean-speaking bad guy, so they didn't saddle him with English. He wasn't ready for anything. Uh, I like, in general, Luc Besson's take on action, Ira's director and producer, and Lucy ticked some of that box, some of those boxes, but I think its uh, concept was a bit too great uh, for one my brain and i don't think uh, it was as deep as it intent uh, you know it argued that it was deep but that that really didn't come through as an action piece fine Choi min sick he was there and he didn't make a fool out of himself but uh, i i can't say that should be uh, the spark for a brand new spanking international career it wasn't that 
meteoral roll, you know. I, I totally agree. And I think I think the flaws of Lucy, the small role he has, you know, if you're a, a Chairman Sick fan, you'll check it out if it's there, but there's no point chasing after it. And, you know, I agree, Lucy. I like Luke Bessel, but it is an action film. And I have to say the last 30 seconds, Lucy's character makes a statement and it, it completely ruined the entire film for me. Yeah, the, the thing with Luc Besson is that he I'm fine with him crafting out as director and especially a producer. These easily digestible action pieces, man. He's behind the Transporter movies. Yeah, and, uh, totally. And uh, his uh, company has produced these a variety of these um, European set and European made there for action pieces and they've all been fine. And I thought Lucy... He is a clever guy, but he is not that clever to to execute it that deeply. So, um, so, so yeah, it uh, all watchable, but uh, yeah, it went away quite quickly. Uh, Choi yeah. Min-sik played naval commander Yu Sun Sin in the blockbuster, blockbuster period, the Admiral period epic, the Admiral, uh, the Admiral Roaring Currents uh, that is, and it became at least at the time in 2014 the highest attended film in South Korea, reaching 15 million admissions, and was the first local film to crack one. Hundred million dollar US, and and you hinted at at it in the prior discussion that the Admiral still hasn't been surpassed even by the Handmaiden or Train to Busan. In terms of overall, internationally and domestically, Train to Busan, etc., and the Handmaiden have have you know gone through the roof because of their coverage in the US and the UK and Europe. In terms of Korea itself, the Admiral's still up there. What's hitting? At its tails, and it may well have gone past it now, I'm not actually sure, is a film called um, Taxi Driver with mm. Song Kang-ho, um, which is about the Guangzhou uprising. It started to break box office records, and I haven't actually checked of late to see if it surpassed the Admiral. It may well have done, but even if it has, they're pretty close. So the Admiral's still as big a, an effort as it was, even if it is a little bit propaganda based personally that's no surprise uh, given uh, you know when countries make uh, war movies uh, with their mm. side of history and what have you but uh, sometimes I don't mind watching that I'm a big fan of those old uh, Toho productions uh, these naval totally. movies and uh, what have you and it's obviously propaganda but uh, still yeah totally it's still watchable uh, certainly technically technically back then it was uh, always in a lot to watch the, watch the, the action scenes and what have you and yeah. Toshiro Mifune in each and every one of these movies essentially because it was Toho after all and can never complain therefore in essence, though, what is the allure of Choi Min-sik? I mean, it's an actor that's always watchable. We know that. But can you summarize what just, what just does it for you when approaching a Choi Min-sik movie and knowing what has come before, you know? Talent at the end of the day. Yes, he's versatile. But when I was re-watching Springtime, there are a lot of little scenes in cars or when he's in the pharmacy where somebody says something and he gives this cheeky little grin. It's it's a very innocent, you know, gentle little grin. That exact same grin is repeatedly on his face throughout I Saw the Devil. It's exactly the same look, but he's so good at what he does, it looks evil when he wants it to look evil. You know, that sort of innocent grin that's actually holding a hammer or a, an axe in its hand, and I think it's his ability to change just the way his eyes look that he can put a similar smile on 
and cover so many bases. I think he's just a great visual actor. I think he's very natural in terms of dialogue. And I think everything that you watch that he's in is watchable because he's in it much more than Song Kang Ho. The only the only actor I would actually say I prefer to Chairman Sik is Jung Jae Young. Yeah, I, I didn't lump lump him into those when I talked about it because I don't know, it's an age thing. I think it's of a different generation and, and the roles I've seen him do are his little quirky stance on performance is just in his own little category so I'm, 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 I'm watching them develop like uh, like separately so I can't say that he's better or worse than any of those guys totally and, and I guess neither can I but just on a, a personal thing they would be the two who would draw me to a movie more than any other male actor full stop you have interviewed Choi Min-sik either by yourself or in a group a couple of years ago a couple of years ago so what do you think looking back on at that experience because um you know he, he came to the uk presumably to promote a movie or a retrospective but re- regardless uh, what was that like what was your impression of the man either in the group or in the solo interview so the floor is, floor is yours it was a group interview it was a prolonged group interview it was very chatty i'm sure kenny will link to it the, the interviews on angle celluloid in among all the other group interviews separated out between them and the separate ones really nice guy really down to earth very happy to talk about his work but as interested in other people as they are in him when we were sitting around the table there was a lady at the table behind him and he went out of his way to point her out introduce her and say look you know this is my wife i'd like you to meet my wife so down to earth the only time i saw him almost reach for the hammer was when he asked the main KCC people if he could light a cigarette, and they said, "No, you can't smoke in here." And he was he, for a second, he was just like, "Oh, I'm the guy who ate a live animal on screen. I smoke indoors." <laughs> just hugely entertaining, and as much wanting to be friends with the people who are interested in what he does as doing the big actor thing. There are there are some actors. I've interviewed, and I, I won't name them because that wouldn't be fair, but they, they arrive with their entourage and they blow in and blow out like the stars that they are. Mm-hmm. Chaman Sick just was there with his wife. You want to meet me? This is my family. This is who we are. You know, just underlines how big a name he is that he met himself out to be no big name at all. That's always wonderful when... You know, because uh, you, you, you're sort of cattle as an actor. You know, you're, you're whisked to new place and you got to be here, you got to be there. But to be able to, to sink into the experience of, uh, you know, being the subject of an interview and uh, be genuine and take your time and uh, not feel the stress, stress of that. You know, it wasn't a junket, obviously. It's not a big press junket where you jumped from interview, five-minute interview to five-minute interview. But still, to be able to still have the energy and stamina to to come off as real and, and the smartness and the, the intelligence to to appear real. And uh, he certainly has no shtick about him, so he doesn't need to perform uh, either, of course. So, uh... And I think that I think that's what stood out most, the fact that he, did, he just didn't need to perform. What the person we met was the man, not the actor. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very cool. Uh, always glad to hear of those positive experiences. And as for our uh, review of 
the uh, movie at hand here, Springtime from 2004, the softer side of Troy Music. Uh, we'll do that now, and as for my quick opinion, in Paul's review of My Heart, which we'll link to again, I suppose, he started with a quote that meant a lot to him uh, within, within the movie, and it acted as a springboard for his review of the film. And I'm stealing that technique. <laughs> I'm not stealing the quote, I, I, but I will quote okay. Springtime in the following way to open up my short opinion. So, quote, I want to start at the beginning again. And another character says, this is the beginning for you. Why do you need to start again? It's fine to our warmth and character depth that deceptively is not about him being a teacher and going to a big competition and possibly winning or losing. Because It's more about the external uh, of it all outside of the classroom, the people in the town and the realizations about life for young and old. Very capably handled with clarity and confidence as well. And uh, Choi Misik uh, leads this group uh, like uh, like the veteran is and uh, fairly engrossing performance in that in that way and challenging in its own way even though it's all coherent and and there on the screen but uh, uh, very 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 gentle in a way so uh, so yes after you've been fuming about me uh, stealing your quote quote technique uh, let, let's hear your quick <laughs> I'm just glad someone else is finally doing it that's good for me and you've quoted the best line of dialogue in the whole film the most memorable for me anyway for me springtime is a film about a musician down on his luck if you like musically who goes to teach a group of kids to enter a competition in a brass band sort of deal and as you've said you think of all the sports movies with you know the coach training the thing to win whatever or not that forms the whole level that's not what springtime is that's the story but for me the real story is the interactions he has with Suyun, the little pharmacy girl, with his ex-girl, Yunhee, and with his mother as well. For me, springtime is two layers. The most obvious layer, I could almost let go. They're nice interactions with the kids. The competition to me didn't matter. For me, springtime is about the interactions with this man and his life and loves. And for me, that, that makes it a beautiful movie, beautifully, beautifully undertaken. And Rio Jung Ha understands that too, because it's also the, the intention to not focus on the competition being the be all and end all of the movie. Yeah, uh, it it uh, the competition is uh, dealt with. I don't know, thirty minutes before the end, because the movie is not mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination over. But at that point, it has stuff still to do, and we expect it to have stuff to do uh, totally. by that point uh, it, it is nice to see Choi Music dial down a bit I mean granted in the beginning sections he is at his most abrasive and uh, he's frustrated and you know but he isn't uh, loud and uh, crass or anything um, he, he's, he's lost the passion obviously uh, we, in the first scene he's teaching uh, a group of elderly ladies uh, to play whatever instrument they are playing and uh, he's clearly not happy about it and when he's drinking with his friend having midnight snack or whatever you know he, he says things like they all think they're yo-yo ma yeah. <laughs> you know and it, it, maybe, maybe that's not even fair he's just uh, against them because they're trying their best but he's, uh, it's the pent up frustration and um, you know there's truthful talks early I mean the relationship honesty between him and uh, the character of uh, uh, Yon, he was it. Yeah, she 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 probably calls she she calls it that. You know, uh, 
uh, he feels he's uh, defensive because he, he has in his head made up that music was not acceptable to her and that's why that relationship tanked. And she says, no, that wasn't it, man. He's not been attentive enough to to the events that had occurred and he needs a... He needs a reboot, uh, certainly, and uh, I mean, he's pretty pathetic too, and he tries to, you know, take out his frustrations by uh, trying to uh, hit uh, one of those uh, speeding cameras with a rock, and obviously he misses, and it's so pathetic that he misses. Uh, It's a hard thing to hit anyway, (laughs) you know, you know, even if the intent was to hit it as part of the drama, I bet that's like five takes, ten takes, fifteen takes to hit that damn thing. (laughs) <laughs> because it's it's, it's just like uh, choi music you gotta hit it man okay i'll try you know I, I didn't play baseball in my youth but fine i'll try <laughs> uh all of that by the way it was also very um static and natural which i think is and not at any point does warmth go into cloying and go into sentimentality and go into manipulative and i think a lot of this this is evident early, which is either a very commercial tone for the audience, um, depending on the movie, or not a very commercial tone, because the movie isn't doing that much. It's just sort of it's shooting scenes and moving on with it. And for me, that's engrossing, because when actors within it are good, that's engrossing. But depending on the viewer you are, this might not be popping as such, but firmly is the f- established atmosphere that feels right for the movie, in my opinion. Any notes on that yourself in terms of uh, frustrated character and then the cinematic language revealing itself uh, before it goes to the uh, to the village itself? Uh, is that a, a good leap off point for everything the movie needs to do? Totally, totally. Um, I think he needs to be down on his luck and and convinced of things that aren't the case at all um, to cover the fact that things haven't worked because of him, because of his mindset. I think that sets it up really nicely to push him down to these new interactions that will actually change his outlook. And that's what really springtime's about. Again, the interactions that he has with, especially the little pharmacy girl, are the, so strong for me. They could have had those just on their own. They constantly reminded me of the relationship in Christmas and August between, again, Hans of Q and Shimuna, just very gentle, very matter-of-fact and very sweet. Yeah, yeah, they don't seem staged as such. Uh, I mean, yes, two people in a car, that's general staging. But a lot of scenes there, including in the pharmacy, but uh, in particular the scenes between Choi Min-sik and his mother, and uh, let's get the actors right here, Hyun uh, Yu Jung, you knew Jung, yeah. Look at the very scenes that they have together, and my God, you ha- you have to admire screen actors for you know not being selfish and being full of ego. Because at one point they're sitting there at the table, and Choi Min-sik has the back towards the camera because sometimes that's the way they would sit as mother and uh, son are talking, you know. And I-, I kind of appreciate that that nothing is obscured because of where we ne- where we need to go in the scene and uh, a springboard for for the rest of the scenes but i just kind of like that natural staging you know totally i i agree 100 percent. and in, in terms of those scenes between chomi six character and his mother you've got two of the biggest hitters in korean cinema i mean yoon yoo jung is she's been in everything you look at her filmography it's almost as big as chomi six you know that she was in the remake of the housemaid she was in uh, Insect Woman, Woman of Fire, 
Kim Ki Young's stuff in the 1960s. She she was in the Taste of Money Canola. She's still working today. She's huge. I actually interviewed her a, a couple of years ago as well. The interview isn't on my site. It's on name dropping here. Um, it's on. There's a U, UK DVD of a film called Boomerang Family that she was in, and I interviewed her as one of the extras on that. And uh, you know, again, really, really down to earth when she's. She's just humongously famous and humongously talented, and it shows together in their interactions in those mother and son scenes. That needs to work uh, because she she isn't a nagging mother or anything. She's not a whinger in terms of like, why don't you go and do something with your life? <laughs> you know, it's not deep inside. It might be that role, but she's more concerned she's like very gentle in her way she's not overprotective she asks little questions like questions like should the trumpet be lying around randomly she she's mm. sort of thinking that that's not good for the trumpet is and then my son is a musician and that's what he loves so it, it's that sort of understated um, and supporting uh, pop-up mother that we have here <laughs> right mm. uh, whether in person or on phone uh, all of that is crucial and she was rightly nominated for her performance in, in this movie because that is uh, just knocking it out of the park while seemingly not doing a lot which makes and should make any actor or actress young and old uh, jealous because uh, this is a veteran handling and obviously incredibly well directed because static and sort of gentle and almost documentary style staging again Choi Misik as he's back to the camera and performing his dialogue it's not easy. It's not easy at all, and uh, yeah, it's, totally. a, it's a. It's a. I don't know if it, it's a, if it's a more difficult choice, to be honest, uh, because that simplicity, the the, the sort of chemical combination, uh, and the, the sort of um, clue and riddle of it all, might be that staging something this sim- simple and natural is maybe the most difficult cinema you're ever gonna make. I would totally agree, and you know, considering the fact that from my point of view, he does it so successfully, makes the fact that we haven't seen sight nor sound of him since 2008 rather a shame because you know springtime for me works because of that along with everything else and it shows a confidence it shows a bravery and being able to do something so simple so naturally and so confidently one aspect i don't know if you picked up on this you probably did because you are you and uh, you you pick up on details but he is confident in leaving out exposition dumps in terms of plot mm. progression and I'll, I'll give you the example there's no huge deal made and really no scene about Choi Min Six character accepting the job totally. we, we just sort of see that he's on his way to the village what's the sign there the positive or possible negative sign is that too little or is it or, or are we, we as viewers totally able to fill in those gaps if you will from from my point of view, that's almost perfection. I don't, you know, if if he's obviously gone for a job and then you see him driving down the road, it's obvious that he's going to do that job. I I think it was exactly what was needed. I don't think it needs any thought whatsoever. If, you know, there'd been a conversation that he'd got the job, whatever, it's rather unnecessary. It's you're he's going there, you know he's going there. It worked for me. It didn't I was aware of it, but it didn't cause me any angst whatsoever. No, we fill it in with ease and uh, 
and the fact that he has said earlier that uh, teaching is just regression really uh, mm-hmm. and not um, progression and now since he is on his way to, to the job it's either that he's changed his mind or it's desperation time because he needs obviously that is the springboard for okay a character's hopefully gonna change and all, and all of that but uh, I, I agree in this case it's uh, those gaps where he's if there are even gaps but you, you, you easily fill in the minute things that are so to say missing I like the fact that this is you know versus my heart this is a movie that's not spiced up in terms of color or anything it's very very reality based and they don't attempt to make these uh, locations uh, more colorful than they are in reality in fact a lot of the movie I mean I don't know what your take is but if they built a set, at most they built a set for an, uh, an apartment or two. But otherwise, this is all location-based, man. I think I think the vast majority of indoor and outdoor scenes were just locational. You know, I think if there was a set built for a specific room, it's the exception rather than the rule. A lot of those things were obviously reality. They were in people's apartments. You know, it it's it, it seems so realistic. I don't think it could be anything else. Yeah, and, and therefore they have to squeeze in the camera and crew in these uh, limited locations. Which, yeah, which, totally. Which, which it still seems like a natural, it, like, like the static camera language and all of that is not the uh, sad option because they had own real locations, right? It it clearly yeah. is the style he he goes for here, but. Uh, um, but but then again, you can't you can't move about. But if you've chosen that style anyway, then it's no problem sh- shooting in like cramped environments. Yeah, I, I reckon that's exactly what the case was. So I, I I do very much like that. When it's done well, then you can wow me today, tomorrow. You would wow me ten years ago with that sort of static style, and you, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna in ten years ago uh, in ten years time as well. I do like that he is not. Um, forceful with his views and ethics on music you know and this madman that comes into the school and's gonna teach his way and then he's gonna calm down and be friendly after that granted the rural town and the friendliness of it has an effect uh, i mean he gets to face it sort of head on that there are financial woes in the air um, this is a mining town it seems like mainly and uh his observations of all of that, you know, acquainting himself with the town and the people, you know, to be immersed in that. You you have to have someone like Choi Min-sik sort of just making himself part of the environment without it feeling like a pasted-on image, right? It's not like, yeah. oh, we've costumed you to look a little bit rugged and things like that. No, it just seems like the... It, it it's obviously a co- uh, a movie with costume design and a little bit of production design and it, it's a, he's supposed to look this way but as we get to know the people and their stories little by little with Troy Music visiting the visiting them and all of that it just strikes me how naturally his demeanor that is switching to a little bit of softer demeanor is immersed in all of this and it's not a show off the performance in any way whatsoever in combination with all of this which is I don't know. It's all the best thing. I mean, he can be show off and like loud and grab the screen and grab ya. But springtime is the case for no one is making really really any noise and shouldn't make any noise, including including him. There are many character relationships and he meets a lot of people. 
including the pharmacist, and uh, uh, we, we'll get to her and her role. But is there any point where you think um, there are too many characters focused on, too many families that he cares for, because he goes out of his way for, for many people? Uh, because I had a slight fear that he was his kindness was a little bit too elevated and he was going out of his way. But I think ultimately I wasn't... You know, it, it wasn't a disturbance or anything, but uh, you know what I mean. Because the, the, he, it was a small town, but it seemed like he he went out of his way to care for anyone that passed his passed his. Uh, I guess, I guess, and you know, I see where you're coming from. I I saw it much more as each of those separate interactions had a a slightly different effect on him, and they all add up to make him who he's gonna or the way he's gonna become. So it didn't. It didn't cause me any problems, and I, the, even with the number of them, I didn't have any problem holding them all together in my head, which sometimes, if you've got huge amounts of characters, you, you end up just thinking, that's too many, stop it. I, I didn't have that feeling here. I think it, it works okay. I think it was initially, I thought they were piling it on, but ultimately it seemed like they were settling on a couple of couples, yeah. meaning Choi Min-sik and... The pharmacy girl, Choi Min-sik, and little uh, the little kid, uh, Jail. Yeah. Cu- curious little, curious uh, Kenny here, uh, the the actress who plays the pharmacy girl. Going by gut feeling, yeah, she must have blown up by now, right? I'm I'm really, 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 really near to tears. I have to say, when I rewatched Springtime, two things hit me in the head. I, I looked at her and I thought. Isn't she just gorgeous? Isn't she just gorgeous? And I had to I had to rewind scenes because I was so busy looking at how gorgeous she is. I think her performance is wonderful. I was surprised that I didn't recognize her face because I recognized everybody else. Um, all the other main characters, be they male or female. You know, Google is my friend. I did an internet search worrying that I'd forgotten about an actress who I may have mentioned I think is gorgeous. And it turns out she's only done, what, three films in her entire career. And Springtime is by far the biggest and most successful. The others, nothing, no impact. Two out of the three I'd never even heard of. Since 2004, she's become a TV actress and she's done a huge amount of TV dramas. She... If you remember a while back, we talked about a TV show based on The Chaser. She was the main female protagonist in The Chaser TV show, um, uh, etc., etc. I'm not a huge expert or fan of TV dramas, and it actually hurts quite a bit that she hasn't done more cinema because I think she was, her performance was pitch perfect. And I thought she was great, and I'd love to see her in more films. And I just don't have time to check out her TV stuff. <laughs> you know, it's deceptive the way Ryo Jung Ha sort of opens the scenes with her enjoyment sick, because obviously there's an age gap there. And, mm. you know, he initially is sick, he's having trouble with his digestion, so he needs some stuff, but he enjoys her company. And you never know with cinema if they're gonna go down like oh my no 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 don't go there it's gonna be uncomfortable i i the smart thing is that uh, i think that this is one of many examples in the movie where the smarter choice is to just let it be natural and have characters hang out and let that be important for the movie right so there's no cinematic 
tropes here in terms of how a relationship develops and a friendship develops this just sort of happens and it's the sort of natural the, the most natural choice you can make and the intention gets there in the end you know so it's not like he obscures intention by just having some natural scenes with them and i mean i i appreciate his success in doing that but i would also say that that is really what new korean cinema melodrama was about and certainly what director her jin ho was about and i think ryu jang ha is is essentially channeling what was the flavor of the time in quieter films that we didn't get to see internationally straight away i think that's what speaks of new korean cinema rather than the talent of the director even though the director was talented enough to make it as good as as his contemporaries and and we come back to that fact that the movie isn't about the big competition at the end and uh, winning or not winning but but those classes of course that we see where they seem to progress and they're, they're all dedicated to the new teacher those obviously contribute because it allows Choi Min-sik's character to escape the perceived notion of him being a bad guy. And you know, at yes. one point he says, and it's sort of drunken thoughts granted, but he says, I'm a bad guy. Bad guys suffer more. So he, he has this self-perceived notion and image of himself. And uh, mm. that's, you know, when you talk of it, and I'm sure it was like this when they were crafting the script and they were doing a movie that, we're going down slippery slopes here because it could be sentimental as heck and yeah, it yeah. could be cloying as heck if you manipulated us but there's so precious few moments where where they do they just communicate and it's not just artsy fartsy scholars that pick up on this it's so easy to pick up on these uh, yeah. uh, you know the the, the development as uh, as the movie rolls along and i think i think it's beautiful that that those sort of statements that, you know, the I'm a bad guy, bad guy, I suffer more thing. It's almost that they're stated and then they're passed. You know, they're allowed to go. Whereas if this was, you know, a US melodrama, you know, there'd be a big conversation about how blah, 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 blah. And there'd be tears and everything else. Um, so I think it's it's nice that they just make these statements and then move on to the next little bit. I think that allows it to not be clawing or whatever like a less confident film would have that come back i, I remember one day when i said bad guys yeah, exactly. suffer more but now i've reached <laughs> like stop yeah, it. yeah exactly because exactly. you do remember that quote i i absolutely remember that quote uh, yeah me too like I, if that other quote wouldn't have been in the movie that would have been my quote but then that other quote happened. <laughs> well, there you go. But but the realism of the movie is the fact that you know academically fine. You 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 should be you should pursue those roads. But there are crossroads and paths that are real for these kids. It's not it's not just irrational fathers that say, "Oh, you can't study. Like, what's the point of music?" Man, I I feel that this movie portrayed a reality for small town kids, kids to working fathers and mothers that. You know, dreams are great, but we are in a reality where, you know, money talks to a degree. Dreams won't put food on the table. And that's not incorrect to think. It's a little part of the movie that I think was a good counterbalance to the fact that, you know, you should dream and have aspirations. But, you know, we're poor and that's a real concern. So he didn't paint, thankfully, 
But he didn't paint a sort of a stubborn father as the bad guy. Like the only cloying scene, I mean, it's sort of... I could have lived without it, but it's fine. It, it's the scene where they they play uh, they play outside the mine, right? They they come out of the yeah, mine yeah, and yeah. they have they have the, it's all set up in a way. The movie has earned so much good grace, in my opinion, that 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 was fine. But it, it it's dangerously close. It's dangerously close because they're they're playing. Uh, it's like it's it's um it's a moment that's meant for. Uh, meant for a movie like this but they get it right i think because the the way they've established a the father and in that moment he may decide that okay he should dream he might have decided that yeah that's fine but man we gotta work it's and, and, but this moment is great so 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 i took that away from that moment right i, I guess I, I i let i let it go and i think at that point, the film had already earned me letting it go. But I am, I am aware that you know that it was there was a line in the sand, and they were all standing on it. Exactly. <laughs> but, but otherwise, they the movie's rather quiet when it comes to any emotional outbursts, uh, both in terms of how it's played and uh, and uh, what they put on the soundtrack. Uh, that that includes a a couple of examples where uh, Rio Jung Ha just lets. Uh, Choi Min Sik have his moment. Uh, essentially, essentially a, a couple of phone calls uh, that are just about they're in a drunken state, yes, but they're certainly not overplayed, and they they're certainly just about letting the actor act and not do three sixties around him with the camera and cut up the moment. They they don't do that, and I think that's uh, a wonderful thing that yeah. uh, you know you can have a breakdown on one end of the phone call, which is what Choi Min Six character has. But then with the mother being the calm anchor on the other end of the phone is uh, what makes that all the more beautiful and pro- probably why that character develops into what he develops into, because the mother yeah, totally, is, totally. is his anchor. And, yeah. but, but she doesn't hold him up. It's just that she, she speaks the truth and knows how to encourage him in her way. But she she never raises her voice at any point in the movie, which is the great, beautiful thing, I think. Because if any moment made me... Because it is a sentimental movie, so you don't cry a lot or at all, but if any moment it gets to me, it's when Choi Misik breaks down a little bit, but he, he doesn't do it in that calculated way where the camera has to catch his tears. And, I mean, he might not even have been crying. He might just have been, you know, sitting uncomfortably, and like squirming and wiping his face a little bit. Mm. And that's all you need to see in terms of uh, co- uh, co- communicate uh, uh, grief and uh, you know s- sometimes we need our parents to sort of say it's okay but also to say that you're wrong you're in the right place and that's where the quote comes from I want to start at the beginning again well you're at you're at that point so what are you talking about and it is it is frankly the most beautiful line in that whole film and it, it says for me the most of any piece of dialogue and that whole thing. It just, it sums, it sums him up, it sums her up and it sums their relationship up. You know, by the end, he knows more about life and how you don't stall your life and how you progress and how you open new chapters, simple lessons, very well communicated. And uh, you, you need skill through and through to make all of that work. And that goes from uh, script 
for two directing and 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 post-production obviously so it's not automatic just to put choi music there and uh, uh, and uh, all of that so i i think i'll sort of conclude my notes but i, I wanted to ask this do you think that choi music learned to play uh trumpet to a degree or that's just clever sound editing when it does play i had a a fair look and rewind a couple of times and from what i can say it's it's sound editing i'm i'm guessing obviously but damn good sound editing I'll tell you, you know i i really did i really did have a strong look and certainly when you see him play saxophone he he wasn't playing saxophone so i assume it's probably the same with the the trumpet i think it's well done but i don't think it's him still they they, they got the sound right it wasn't this uh canned totally. sound or anything yeah, yeah. so um, you, you you can have as many notes as you like uh, after I ask you this, but obviously we, we talked about what movies break out in the West and uh, what movies doesn't, and we accept that because not all movies are made for that. But um, And you also mentioned that Springtime might not be a movie that would um, surface today and would only surface back during that new Korean cinema mm. uh, boom and way. But, uh, you know, in the end, is that the blessing and the curse of Korean cinema that... Uh, there's so much skill in a variety of movies and genres that you simply have to be content with the fact that they're not all all gonna get the spotlight that they deserve. But at, but 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 at least they're made. You know, is that kind of blessing and curse thing? I think so. And you know, for those who really want to search these other things out that aren't just gonna be instantly released because they're not hard hitting, they're not violent, blah blah blah. Um, you can find them, you know, we have. It annoys me that people who aren't aware of these sorts of things don't know that they should be going and looking for them because they haven't been made aware and because they're not released, they're not shoved under people's noses. So, again, they just, you know, we said a couple of days ago, the number of international people who know a bit about Korean cinema and still think it's just inherently violent because they don't know their films like My Heart. They don't know their films like Springtime. All they're aware of are the the big blockbuster violent action films that are known to sell internationally. It upsets me, but there's nothing we can do, I guess. We just have to accept it. I mean, the, the, the best solution would be like it was during this time where, yes, Korean movies were exported, but a variety of them were made at the very least, right? So, yeah. so at least Springtime had a place. But, but as you alluded to, it, it might be difficult for a movie like Springtime to find its place because the the, the slots are getting narrower, even even locally. Yeah, definitely even locally. You know, and I think considering the the continued climate, it is wonderful to have seen a film like Springtime having been made. And you've you've mentioned loads of other films that fall in the same category. You know, Phylon, you know, Christmas in August. We should be grateful that they all are there, even if we have to search them out rather than just being handed them. And my final note is that um, the end credits shot is extremely important without being it being shoved into our face. It, it's extremely important and extremely gratifying for the movie and also looking at the performer at hand. It's music over a continuing non-verbal scene for a little while. So sort of sit and, up and soak in the credits and then after half of them they sort of cut to black. But uh, I, I kind of like that. They earned that uh, 
moment, if you were to discuss the symbolism of it all, which I won't, it would sound like, really, that's rather, that's rather corny, but no, not at all. But it works, and it's, it's, it's one of the strongest points of the film. It sort of makes the film, if you, if you like. It does, it does. I, I agree, it's just beautifully done. Any other notes before we wrap this up? Uh, other than, um, other than, uh, probably won't wait four or five years until I see this again. The, 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 to me, this seems like, yeah, I'll put on springtime again. That would be lovely. Yeah, it's just a lovely thing. Um, I would just like to say that this is new Korean cinema in a nutshell. Um, if you watch this and you enjoy it, you'll love the the new the lesser melodramatic new Korean cinema melodramas, and I hope it will push you to view some other wonderful films and the last thing i'd like to say is that it should be given huge points for the warmth it shows school children and if you look at korean cinema over the years anytime you get school children there's going to be an element of bullying there's going to be an element of competition there's going to be harshness there's going to be you know this that and the other and this is just so warmly sweet the group together are a group together from start to finish and it's all hugely positive much more natural and much more realistic as to life as school kids in korea than the pushed fiction that you often see that I'm, I'm almost done as well, but I'm encouraged by that note. Uh, you you get that mix of good nature, but they're part of a realistic uh, story, though. Totally. So, but but it isn't misery, but it isn't too sugary angelic either. Uh, the the little actor that plays uh, Jay Hill, uh, that was a fine and a half. Uh, he he's a natural little curious kid, and he's on. He's he's present. Did you recognize him from anywhere else? No. Okay, I'm going to tell you. There's a, a certain film starring Song Kang Ho called Memories of Murder. And at the very start, when Song Kang Ho goes and walks through a field and looks in a tunnel, there's a kid that comes and sits on oh. top of the thing and mimics everything that Song Kang Ho says word for word. Same little actor. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that scene uh, almost beat by beat. But uh, yeah, there's even a memories of murder little gag in this movie, which we won't spoil, of course. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> it was uh, what men do when they're caught with pornography. Yes. And they never can explain it. Like, not explain it. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, it was pornography. You should have just said that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a beautiful... Like, 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 like imagine like, the impact of memories of murder led to a little... Uh, realistic gag about uh, about having porn that sounds like memories about it a very funny moment it was too yes indeed and on VHS as well in 2004 it would be feasible for someone to still work work off VHS so. totally totally <laughs> uh, no 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 tube of any kind to go to on your little laptop or your <laughs> device it was it's 2004 we're far away yep. from that. At any rate, uh, as for availability of springtime, it had local and further um, uh, Asian and English-friendly DVD releases, you know, across Taiwan, Hong Kong, and what have you. But nothing is listed as in stock right now, and second-hand sources seem uh, rare as well for springtime, which is, as with Hong Kong, uh, repressing uh, the catalogue throughout the years is simply not going to happen. Uh, Korea had limited editions. I'm sure this did not have a limited edition because it wasn't a big movie. But the the regular DVD editions are not destined to be reprinted throughout the ages because big or small movie doesn't make uh, sense financially to keep it out there and and alive, which is a shame. And then it's a shame that it doesn't have a second shelf life uh, on streaming necessarily either. So 
totally totally there, there it is so find it in whatever way you can uh, so uh, because uh, it is indeed worth it on that note um, off the cuff you you remember the, the craze of the limited edition dvds back in the day i very much do whether you collected it or not was it always the big movies that got the limited editions or they shelled out like 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 they made crazy intricate and expensive editions for even middling middling to like low performing movies yeah i mean in in terms of of korean cinema new the new korean cinema wave while it was going on was seen as so massive that virtually what 70 80 maybe 85 percent of dvd releases had had something special about them whether they were big films or not and a lot of those films have since become thought of as classic but they weren't big at the time yeah they they were just limited edition dvds that opened up to be mirrors if it was a horror about a mirror you had a mirror and you know etc etc or box sets with posters this that and the other i mean i think i said to you the other day the deluxe box set of il mare um with jun ji hun is possibly one of my favorite collected pieces and it wasn't that big a film at the time is it a mailbox thingy or they didn't yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's a, i was and actually if i could go and poke out the drawers if hold it again. video <laughs> you know you've got you've got a box set that opens to become a mailbox you know it's just it's stunning and they they actually released three or four limited editions with different limited packaging so they weren't behind the door doing all this stuff and i really really miss it they were really pushing for um supplemental features as well a lot of movies came with commentary and behind the scenes stuff so they they, they were really proud of that the fact that they were going to get the filmmakers to speak as well whether they were good at speaking of about their their product or not i mean i, I know springtime had director's commentary uh, yeah uh, maybe, maybe two different tracks were whoever they whoever were on them uh, but, but i remember my my sassy girl had multiple limited editions including an egg yep totally so uh, there, there you are fighter in the wind had like a gi clothing essentially yeah you know what i mean even even korean stuff released internationally back in the day was you know limited edition huge things i've still got my vengeance trilogy trilogy you know three foot purple box that when you open it up you've got the hammer and it's a real hammer. So, you know, and I, it's, I, I can't even take the thing out because I'll end up hitting the nail into a wall. But it's there and it's something I'm very proud of, even though it takes up half a drawer. And uh, thank God uh, they weren't price jacked as such back in the day. I mean, yes, yeah, slightly expensive, but I, I never got the impression that you had to pay an arm and a leg for the limited edition nowadays, obviously, and after the run. Nowadays, it's got to the point where because... Certainly, in terms of Korean cinema, again, Korean DVDs are, you know, they're they're not as big as they were because we've got streaming, we've got this, that, and the other. So the prices have just gone through the roof in general, which which back in the day wasn't the case because they were selling so many, it almost offset it and let them do the limited edition packaging and still make their money. And the the only ones in Korea who did who uh, produced English friendly supplements it was the korean film archive 
That's exactly right. And and that has carried over to Blu-ray reissues, uh, or you know, both for commentaries and documentaries. So that was always nice because we 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 as Westerners, obviously, we we couldn't expect it because it's not for us. But it was nice that the Korean that the Korean film archive saw the value in putting that on old movies. Right? Yeah, very like, much uh, so. You know, your aimless bullet, for instance, that Blu-ray reissue has English language, uh, yeah. English friendly extras and stuff. So. At any rate, uh, we are done uh, for this episode of What's Korean Cinema, uh, having viewed uh, springtime with uh, Choi Min-sik. And uh, get used to the man smiling, because he does it, uh, he wears it well in movies. He does. At any rate, uh, for all your podcast on fire and network needs, including the backlog of What's Korean Cinema and relevant show links for this episode, including uh, Paul's, uh, Paul's uh, interviews and reviews and what have you, uh, go to podcastonfire.com for all that good stuff. And... Uh, that's all I'm gonna say. But uh, as always, we get a full film plug being on a very co-producer, co-host, guru, no bot expert. Plug. Well, thank you, thank <laughs> you so much. Um, you know, I'm Paul from HangerSaturday.com. Do check out the links that Kenny B puts on his on his site to mine, and check out the interview with Chairman Sick. Um, if you listened to my heart last week, check out the review, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I hope you find something on the site that. Uh, Light your fire. And uh, as for, I've not come up with anything else. I know I almost had an idea the other day in terms of... Uh, almost. Probably, probably should check that out. You know you know what it was? Because context is important, even if the quality of the movie isn't fantastic. Yeah. An idea to me probably came that was about, we probably should do Shiri for sake of context, right? Okay. And it's not a difficult watch as such, but I, but I think it's something that people... Boom, Shiri. I remember that one. And then you can uh, work your work your brain in terms of, okay, what's to combine that with, whether later or older. So. Oh, so I'm, a, I'm allowed to do later as well? Yeah, yeah, because Shiri's an old Ooh. movie, for heaven's sake. Like, uh, My Heart was 1999. That was our old selection of this uh, two-week two week in a row coverage. So uh, That opens the game up. Oh, you know, if I can go before or after, yeah, yeah, look, that'd, look, that'd be fun. Listen to him, listen, listeners. He's having fun now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm getting I can all go anywhere nerds. I like. <laughs> Get, getting all nerdily excited. Yes. Oh dear! Start your graphs and, uh, and <laughs> don't write it with permanent marker on your walls this time. Oh damn! Okay. <laughs> At any rate, I've been Kennedy, and with me was the always splendid Paul Quinn of Hangul Celluloid. So say bye, buddy. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. <laughs>